Sustainability Dialogues by SAN. Hello and welcome to SAN's podcast, Sustainability Dialogues. The podcast gives a voice to different leaders, change makers, and people who are working to advance sustainability in agriculture. Given that SAN is a global collaborative network, the dialogues aim to share knowledge and exchange experiences and lessons on several topics and in different geographies where our members are working. My name is Jana Dietershagen and with us today is Jordi Domingo, who is the lead project technician in sustainable agriculture at the Global Nature Foundation, a SAN member in Spain. Jordi, welcome to our podcast. Hi, Jenna. Thank you very much. Hi. So nice to have you here. So yeah, let's start. <laughs> nice. So let's start talking about the critical issue, the loss of natural ecosystems all around the world due to, in many cases, food production. According to the latest UN report, the average abundance of native species in most major land-based habitats has fallen by at least 20%, mostly since 1900. Three quarters of the land-based environment has been significantly altered by human actions. More than a third of the world's land surface and nearly 75% of freshwater resources are now devoted to crop or livestock production. Nevertheless, land degradation has reduced the productivity of 23% of the global land surface and up to 577 billion US dollar in annual global crops are at risk from pollinator loss. So, if we need to change the status quo, stop biodiversity loss, extreme weather events and ecosystem degradation by reducing greenhouse gas emissions, restoring our soils and landscapes, preserving biodiversity and producing healthier food in a more sustainable way. There are currently many concepts out there, such as integrated landscape approach, regenerative agriculture. But the one that has been around for a while and which we want to talk about today is ecological infrastructure. Therefore, we must ask ourselves a vital question. Why should we invest more in ecological infrastructure? Ecological infrastructure was first introduced in the 1980s by UNESCO. And I didn't know that before, but uh, it was actually used in ecological city planning. And it was described as natural landscape and natural areas as the framework for spatial organizing the city. But as the negative effects of agriculture have been drastically increasing, ecologists and biologists now define the concepts to solve the problems of natural landscape fragmentation and habitat loss. Jordi, can you please explain to us, because you're the expert, what is ecological infrastructure exactly? Well, this is this is really a good question, but we would need a whole day for, for answering this because, <laughs> as, as you were saying, the term has evolved uh, a lot. And uh, But, well, um, I mean, let's forget about technical details, and I would say, uh, in a very pragmatic way that uh, ecological infrastructures are everything that is not the, crash, the, the cash crop in your farm and that has a certain nature value. Um, I mean, 
a paved road, for example, maybe crossing your farm, uh, but it has no nature value. It, it is not bringing anything to nature, okay? But I, I mean elements uh, uh, such as hedgerows, buffer strips, water habitats, dry stone wall, isolated tree, forest hedges, and a, and a very long list um, of elements that, that are really contributing to biodiversity. And, uh, and something very important to mention is that those elements I have mentioned, they are not necessarily in the perimeter of the farm or outside the farm or around the farm. They have to be inserted into the, into the farm, in, into the cultivated area. For example, cover crops uh, shall be considered as also as ecological infrastructure and they live together with, with the crop. Wow, yeah. And why do you think this is like important for biodiversity conservation? Can you elaborate a bit more on that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ecological infrastructures are the refuge for, uh, for biodiversity. Um, actually, I would say that ecological infrastructures are, are the foundations of biodiversity and the ecosystem services um, that biodiversity provides. Um, a good example for explaining this is how important uh, it is when, when, when conventional farmers want to transform their farms uh, to organic but they don't want to invest on biodiversity, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's a quite common mistake and, and it's much more common than we imagine. But in these cases, a farm, they think that the only thing they have to do is just stop spraying and using mineral fertilizer so they comply with the organic certification, right? But the result is usually a big disaster or a big mess. Why? Because they find themselves with more weeds, than they had with more problems uh, with pests and uh, probably lower yields. And, and why it happened? Because services like fertility, pest control, and so on, were provided artificially with agrochemicals. But now, even if they are changing to organic, these functions are still needed. So the difference is that uh, this nature I mean, it's nature in that case that should be providing these services. But for this, you need the basic substrate for biodiversity that is going to play uh, this, this role of pest control, soil fertility, and so on. So in short, biodiversity delivers basic ecosystem services that are needed in agriculture, and ecological infrastructures are the places where biodiversity happens. So... If I was a farmer and I would want to convert to organic, what are uh, the crops? Can I just implement it with any crop? And what are the kind yeah, of sure. actions? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, uh, the challenge is not the crop itself. Uh, I, I think it's much about understanding how to adapt uh, these ecological infrastructures to the to the local conditions. Uh, there's no fixed recipe, I would say, because the conditions change from crop to crop within the same region and, of course, across the country or, or larger geographical areas. You know, so uh, at the end, if you, if we if we want to plant a hedgerow or a cover crop or you want to implement any kind of ecological infrastructure, the first step should be thinking about its function. So what is going to deliver? What, what, what are we expecting from these ecological infrastructures? And then the idea would be to work in, working with the local ingredients and condition to um, achieve this functionality. It's a bit 
like uh, like um, you know, if if a chef is invited to cook in another kitchen and, and in another country, he will probably no, he will still know the fundamentals of cooking. So, but but the thing is that he will have to adapt. <laughs> Uh, to get adapted to the new environment, to the new ingredients, probably. Um, but uh, at the end, what you want is a tasty omelette or whatever he's <laughs> going to cook. So in our case, what we want is a functional ecological infrastructure. So we have to understand what we want, if we want an omelette or <laughs> any other thing, and to, to make our best way with what, what we have. And in most cases, I would say that it's about observing biodiversity around. So we don't have to invent anything from, from scratch and just help this biodiversity to, to get established. Um, and, uh, and there is also a, an important point here is that it, what we call the level of intervention. No, I mean, in that, in that helping biodiversity to get established, you can have a high level of intervention. It means that you can achieve uh, uh, faster results, maybe, but it's going to be more expensive because you're just going, you're going to spend more energy, money, resources, or whatever in implementing this ecological infrastructure. And you will have also higher risk of failure, for course, of course. And you can rely, on, let's say, on a... On a low level of, uh, level of intervention approach. It means that basically you're going to nature do her thing and it will take a bit more time, but, but uh, I mean, it, it will go. Okay, well, it's very interesting that you draw this comparison. I think that also makes it more understandable. Like you see the farmers seeing themselves as a cook and using the ecological infrastructure as different ingredients, right, to make the tasty dish. But, um, okay, so I'm still that farmer and... Um, do I need a lot of money to do this? And um, what what will be my main returns out of this? And you mentioned already, okay, if I want faster results, they come with more risks and more money. But and low level results uh, also deliver something. But maybe can you can you elaborate a bit more on that? Yeah. And do we have to compare it to a Michelin restaurant and a snack bar or? <laughs> Um, how how does it work out? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think there's no need of of high investment in 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 general terms. I mean, nature is powerful and and has a fast recovery potential. So in most cases, uh, the point is, uh, um, I mean, there, if there is no disturbance, no spraying, no cutting, or whatever it's going to work. So it's going to be cheap and effective. Uh, I mean, this is the, the low intervention approach, uh, the, the one I mean, no? Mm -hmm. um, however, it is true that a certain investment in the right direction, so uh, choosing a little bit our restaurant, <laughs> let's say in our comparison, can help a bit to support uh, the faster establishment of biodiversity and, uh, and the related ecosystem services. Um, uh, and, and the reason is that uh, nature has its own inertia. And sometimes um, we want uh, to take another direction. For example, uh, maybe we want to favor some plants or insects for our own benefit because they will, uh, maybe those plants will get rid of other plants we don't want, or those plants will host natural enemies we want to use in our crop. So uh, this is why I, I 
sometimes uh, we call these ecological infrastructure semi-natural habitats because they are not natural. There is some level of intervention. But anyway, the overall idea is that um, whether you go the high or the low intervention approach, uh, level intervention approach, I mean, um, what you want is to achieve the maximum diversity and complexity in the ecological infrastructure. Uh, research, Research in ecology tell us that these are the two key variables, diversity and complexity. Diversity is about having different ecological infrastructures. In, in, in a farm, we can have cover crops, hedges, you can have some uh, water habitats. We can imagine different things happen uh, at the same time, okay? And, uh, and complexity is about how um, complex uh, these habitats we have created are. Uh, for example, in a buffer strip, we can sow just one species. And it's nice. It's go. It's okay. But uh, uh, ecology tell us that if we are able to uh, create something similar to a natural habitat, so a, a good mixture of species of species that will bloom all over the year and will give different resources for the different uh, organisms that will be there, it's going to be uh, much better and. Um, you will promote the maximum ecological relationships. And this is what, what you want, really. So uh, um, the point is not necessarily uh, having a high investment, but understanding where, where you want to get with, with this intervention. Yeah, and I guess you can always scale up uh, later once you see yeah. it works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, can you tell us maybe where we can find more information on this if if i was a farmer and i wanted to you know get started on this what would you suggest me yeah well um i would say that uh, as we have listeners probably all around the world that um uh, different international organizations like FAO uh, are uh, useful sources of information. But at the national level, there are um, networks like the Sustainable Agriculture Network, NGOs, uh, conservationist uh, organizations that are working very well in, in, in these things. I mean, this is not a new topic at all. I mean, uh, the, the good thing, and, and I, I always underline this, this issue, is that we are not inventing anything from scratch. I mean, all, all these I'm telling is written in the books for decades. So it's more just a matter of implementing this rather than uh, creating something new. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I think to in order to really scale up this approach and, you know, make the implementation stronger, um, there need to be different actors involved. So... Who do you think could, can and should do what to really bring this forward? Yeah, um, well, um, uh, being agriculture, one of the most uh, important drivers for biodiversity loss and also a contributor to climate change, uh, in my opinion, everyone in the supply chain uh, uh, should be concerned, right? Um, yeah. For ethical reasons. 
for sure. But uh, let me say also for, for a very pragmatic reason is that uh, in the end, the food production is highly dependent on biodiversity. I mean, uh, w- what we eat is biodiversity. <laughs> uh, the, 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 I mean, the, the very basic ecosystem services around agriculture are, let's say, um, necessary for uh, for a long-term and sustainable business so for me it doesn't make sense to 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 ignore uh, diversity of course each stakeholder uh, has its its responsibilities i mean farmers for example uh, they are the ultimate ones in, in the sense that they are responsible for implementing uh, the actions at the farm level uh, i mean if we are talking about hedgerows someone will have to plan them and mm-hmm. and it's a private property probably and, and they they we, we we will need them to to plan the uh, the hedgerow but uh, the rest of the supply chain can really contribute to to this and help to leverage biodiversity. Uh, there are plenty of ways. Uh, I mean, uh, by promoting biodiversity, I think uh, biodiversity is still not very well known. Um, uh, in our society, uh, our consumers should be informed about biodiversity. Not only, um, I mean, because they will probably change the, uh, what they eat depending on on how f- producers were uh, committed with biodiversity but also uh, because yeah because it's important for them and and also companies and and uh, food companies especially should should and retailers should be more selective in uh, in and give priority to those farmers that are really committed to, with biodiversity. So I think it's it's a it's a shared responsibility that uh, I hope that uh, little by little will will spread all over the supply chain. Yeah, I I totally agree with that shared responsibility in each and every one of us as just being consumers. We can contribute to that by choosing more sustainably produced products and educating ourselves about that and also just as listening to these types of podcasts for example Mm. Um, but can you give us some uh, successful examples uh, of what has worked and what has been achieved (laughs) yeah uh, well, you know, uh, we've been working 30 years at Fundación Global Nature closely to farmers, uh, and we have established what we call FGN's Land Stewardship Network. Uh, it's a large group of farmers, uh, and, and I love it. It's absolutely great because we learn from each other. I mean, we are experts on biodiversity, but they know very well the job, of course. And um, our aim as, as, uh, as an NGO has been always to demonstrate that biodiversity is not just um, uh, the whim of conservationists uh, and and that working for biodiversity instead of against biodiversity uh, is a win-win situation. the agricultural sector decided to quit this this uh, this scenario of uh, preserving biodiversity, probably blinded by, I don't know, the the, the glitter of productivity and the promise of, of better prices. But but it's clear that the system is not working, at least it's not working as expected. So um, what we do with 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 our network is is understanding their concerns, the problems, and and we agree on action 
goals uh, that include not only biodiversity action, let's say the restoration of habitats, but also agronomic practices that are aligned with, with biodiversity conservation. And of course, with farm competitiveness, we, we are clever enough now to understand that something that is going to reduce farmer competitiveness will never be accepted. So uh, sometimes we work with them uh, controlling nematodes problems on soils by using cover crops instead of spraying. Sometimes it's about pest control and the implementation of buffer strips or hedgerows or, uh, or, or yeah, cover crops and so on. Sometimes it's about crop divide diversification and working on, on new opportunities at the farm level, which and diversification is something very good for the landscape and biodiversity and so on. And even in a few cases, it happens that we can go further and help them uh, to better to better sell their products. Yeah. This means that it means that there are consumers in markets that are looking for products with a high degree of differentiation and uh, uh, biodiversity is highly ap uh, appreciated. And, and this is great because it means that we have another good reason for working with biodiversity. I mean, it, it's not only that it makes sense agronomically and that is going to work align with the farm competitiveness, but biodiversity, you can discover this way that biodiversity is an added value in the market. So it's appreciated in the market. And, um, and uh, an example, for example, an example is, is uh, we work with, with lentils and chickpeas producers in central Spain. We are supporting them. Um, they are cereal producers, actually. But uh, cereal is easy has uh, better prices than in the market that, that uh, leguminous species like lentils and chickpeas. So what we found is that those farmers were not rotating, you know, the crops with, with leg, uh, leguminous species. So we ask ourselves, uh, what can we do? Because uh, th this diversification and this rotation helps very much um, uh, very endangered species we have here in Spain, in central Spain, which are step birds, okay? Mm -hmm. So promoting rotation with leguminous species and implementing biodiversity action specifically for them resulted in the end in, in, in a very, I mean, in a win-win situation, as I was saying, because through a very simple set of practices that were agreed together, farmers were contributing and are contributing to biodiversity protection of these endangered birds. And uh, FGN is identifying markets uh, that go even beyond the organic certification and where these products, uh, very humble products, I remember, uh, like lentils and chickpeas, so not uh, something that is super pricey, uh, but they can be sold at a very much more competitive price that is recognizing and paying off the biodiversity contribution they made. So uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a very good example because um, it's an agreement. It's a voluntary agreement. Uh, I mean, biodiversity is the central target of, of this agreement, and the mechanism is uh, double. You have uh, better agronomic performance for them as a benefit, but in the other is that they can access to new markets and to new very interesting markets that really acknowledge their effort for biodiversity. Wow. Well, thank you for all these great examples. I think that gives a really great insight and shows really the success of uh, implementing this concept. And um, also, it shows that a careful design and 
all people, all, all stakeholders involved really can make it work if we want to. So unfortunately, we are already coming to the end of this podcast, but I'm sure we could talk on and on about this <laughs> because yeah. it's just such a great topic. Um, so thank you so much. But please uh, leave with our listeners some key takeaway message. <laughs> Okay, um, um, maybe I would ask uh, our listeners to think about, about the following. I think in, in the last decades, maybe for the sake of productivity, most of our farming systems have uh, pretended to establish uh, sterile conditions in our farms. Uh, I don't know, maybe it was an, an oversimplistic attempt of controlling biodiversity, which was seen as, as, as the worst enemy on earth uh, instead of, of our ally. Uh, but in fact, I think they, we were not realizing that uh, behaving this way, uh, I mean, renouncing to any trace of life in our farms, uh, we were actually selecting the worst enemies. Uh, we were inviting uh, them home uh, to our farms. Um, but I think it's important to understand that biodiversity is life. I mean, what created our soils is biodiversity. What actually our food is biodiversity. What pollinates our crops is biodiversity. Mm. What controls our pests. I mean, what produces oxygen, what captures CO2. So, so let's not overlook what biodiversity can do for us because almost everything <laughs> comes from biodiversity and especially when it comes to agriculture. So, uh, the truth is that we are still learning all this, and 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 I think we are at the beginning of of um, getting rid of this strong inertia from the past uh, when uh, the so-called externalities, uh, I mean the impacts on nature, were not considered. And 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 I really hate this this word externality i mean i hate it is i mean uh, extern tries yeah. to give us an idea of that it is not important and it's not linked to the main action but actually ex externalities in agriculture in, in agriculture are, are the central issue in in, a, in my opinion anyway it's i mean it, it's now when we are beginning to talk about footprints, sustainable sourcing, biodiversity plants, climate action, water, and plenty of things that were ignored in the past. And I want to believe that this is the beginning of a real accounting of losses and wins in, in agriculture. And personally, I, I think for me, it's a new hope for, uh, for those who, who love nature like me. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Yes, let's continue working together to make it yeah. happen. <laughs> So it's been really a pleasure to talk to you today and thank you so much for sharing your insights. It's been really thank interesting. You, it's been a pleasure, yeah. <laughs> thank you, Jordi. <laughs> Dear listeners, please do look out for more podcasts from Sun Sustainability Dialogues and remember you can find us at www.sustainableagriculture.eco Sustainability Dialogues by San. 